I knew that there would be a point in time where I would have to adjust my drive to more than just earning income. And there's that, that other kind of study that's floated around, which says that, you know, after you hit a certain amount of income and that is having your basic needs met, you don't get any happier. And that's absolutely true. You know, money just kind of like magnifies your ego and magnifies yourself. Now, I think if you can really check in to your values and what your values are, that will inform what you can do to feel purposeful. In Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, he talks about, you know, happiness coming not from, you know, buying it or from manufacturing it or creating it, but happiness just naturally coming from doing actions that are aligned with your purpose. And so I would say doing actions that are aligned with your values are things that are going to inherently bring you happiness and therefore, you know, you have a sense of purpose. When I started Automation Agency, it was about, I could see a need. There was a need in the market. There was a purpose. People were struggling. They needed help, but I also needed money. I was down to my last five grand. What I was doing wasn't bringing in cash. I needed to do something. That was about me making sure I could pay my bills and keep going. And then it started to explode. It was not purely selfish. There was looking at how do I add value? So I'm getting money in exchange. But the driver behind this was not about how are we going to change the world through helping people implement marketing automation? That was not in my awareness. I'm, I'm part of the machine that helps market. I'm teaching all these marketing psychology manipulation strategies. That doesn't fully sit well with me completely. And so this is where it's been like, hold on, what am I working on? And that's the difference. That's the key difference of then going, how does that apply? And how is that serving a, a bigger audience? Welcome, listener, to Entrepreneurs Rising. My name is Peter Moriarty, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Mr. Carl Taylor. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing amazing, and I'm excited because I think I heard that this is a special episode. This is a very special episode. We've reached a quarter century. We are up to episode number 25. And dear listener, if you have been listening since the start, we thank you. Thank you for coming along the journey with us. It is a little bit nerve-wracking to birth something new into the world because you don't know whether or not it's going to be able to walk or fly or be successful or not. But we're having a great time creating this and sharing this with you. And so if this has impacted you, then we are thankful and we're mm. very thankful that you're here yeah, participating with us and listening to us. So this episode, we're going to be covering the journey from income to impact. And uh, we're going to be sharing some ideas around you know, how we've gone as entrepreneurs you know, on the journey, growing businesses, and the shifts in purpose, we've both, from what Carl's told me, been spending a lot of time thinking about purpose lately in, you know, our businesses growing and our teams growing and our leadership responsibilities growing inside the business as well, you know, needing to know and understand, well, what is the purpose of the business and what is our personal purpose so we can both lead ourselves and lead our teams. But, you know, let me speak for myself. What I do know is that, you know, I had a real journey in the early days of the business, I would say in survival mode. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. And, you know, eventually as I matured, at least in my experience of myself, I noticed that I was shifting away from just the survival mode of earning income and earning money and looking for something a bit more. So we're going to be sharing in this episode, you know, some of our thoughts and some of those journeys between us. Carl, I'd like to hear from you because, you know, I kind of feel like 
in a way, you're a little bit further along the line, you know, than me with this. My perception of your story in that you exited your first business in your early 20s and then had idle time with money in the bank. I think perhaps you had a bit more time to think about purpose in that time. So I'm curious if that was the first time that you thought about purpose or if it was before or after or another time. Oh, I mean, that's interesting. It's not the first time that you've said that, that you perceive that I'm further along in the journey. I, I don't know. Like that may be true. Maybe it's not. Hmm. Did I have time earlier on? Yeah. Look, I think they're always, I mean, even when I started automation agency, it was something that was birthed with, I think a bit more of a form of purpose. Whereas my IT company, you know, the one I had for eight years with my father, that was a lot more of a hey, I'm good at techie stuff and dad's kind of doing this thing and hey, let's just join forces and we could do this cool stuff. But there wasn't necessarily, it was like just to make money. It was a job for me. I didn't want to go into job mode. I wanted to own my own business mode. You know, and I had the vision of making money. Like that's the thing. I think it's really like, I love the idea of this exploration, right? Of income to impact, going from the survival mode to you're not really doing it to survive. You're doing it to contribute. Mm. And this is a new, for me, I think this is quite a new shift. And potentially, listener, if you've been listening from the very beginning, I suspect that there is shifts in what we will talk about on this episode to some of the things you've heard earlier on in the series. And we're only on episode 25. You know, I can remember, like here's an example of what I'm thinking. I can remember, whether I've did it on this podcast or another podcast, saying with absolute conviction that I believe technology is better than team because technology does what it's supposed to do because team members fuck up. They make mistakes. Now, I still believe that to be true. I still believe that if a technology fails, it's because a human made the mistake, not the piece of the human programmed it wrong. They set it up wrong. They inputted the data wrong. That's why you didn't get the output you wanted. I still believe that. But the version of me that said that with so much conviction, I don't feel like I'm that person anymore because I am a huge believer now of the power of building a business. Because that guy, right? Let's hold on a second. That guy, he would have loved a business that had zero team members and it was purely automated all tech, Hmm. right? Whereas the Carl here today on this episode, like I would hate a business that was all tech and didn't have any people because the impact would be minimal unless the only exception to that is if this technology was somehow impacting millions of people on the user side. But I still believe that the power of business is in contribution through creating jobs, creating purpose, creating meaning, a mission for people moving forward. And that's that's a lot of what we're talking about here. And so okay. but I don't know if you've answered my question. So if so what I'm curious about is like when did you start talking about purpose? I'm going to assume that when you started your business, you start when you started your first business as a teenager, you started to make money. Because that was your way of making money. Would that be true or would you start it for another 100%. reason? 100%. No, 100%. Like the early business stuff has always been about making money. Okay. And it so was, it was, I needed cash. So when was the first time you thought about something other than cash as your reason for being in business? I would say in the last two and a half years. Interesting. Really. So even yeah. after you'd exited, you exited the other business you and you're in your early mid twenties. And then it was like, I'm just gonna look for the next thing to make more money. All right. When I wrote my first book, there would have been an element of this is, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about this content. Mm. But I had advice from friends that I trusted 
that said it's very hard to build a business around personal development. I started off trying to be a life coach, but I still wasn't necessarily thinking about purpose. That was more just this excites me more. It was still focused on me and what brings me enjoyment. It wasn't necessarily about like, I'm out to create this mission and cause. I had some of those thoughts, but I feel like even if I said them, because I can remember an early interview I did where I said, it's all about raising consciousness of humanity. I remember saying that in one of my very first interviews. But looking back, I don't know if I authentically deep down was fully integrated in when saying that. Uh, whereas, yeah, so I would say still my experience and memory of this would be in the last two and a half years when all of a sudden the business got to a point it didn't need me. My money issues were all removed. Like I felt solid and secure in my amount of cash. I was solid and secure with a lot of time. And then I started to go, ah. Oh, well, why am I even doing this business now? That's when it started to come up. Because it's like, so what's the point? That's what started to come up for me. It was like, what's the point? Why am I doing this? And it's been a journey of two and a half years of kind of exploring that. Like, well, so why do I keep doing this? Like, what's the point? <laughs> what is the point? What hmm. about you? What's been your experience? I think for me, business was just survival for a long, long time. I grew up in an unstable home environment. I became self-sufficient by the time I was 13, 14 years old. By that time, I was consulting to people about helping them with their computers. And yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't stop. I think what the story was for me was if I can build enough income, then I never have to worry about putting food on the table. And it's not like I ever didn't have food on the table. I always had food on the table, but I think I felt the, the lack of safety in my home environment through my parents who were, you know, going through divorce and, you know, not talking to each other. And, you know, it was unstable and not quite safe. And so for me, I think I pursued and pursued and pursued and pursued, you know, some might call it freedom, very common goal for entrepreneurs who are striving for something. It's like, you know, freedom, but throw them, you know, the irony is obviously that they throw themselves into work and workaholism in the process of chasing that freedom. And there's this great quote that entrepreneurs choose to work 80 hours a week for themselves so they don't have to work 40 hours a week for someone else. <laughs> well, yeah. And just quickly on that, I read something just the other day that really got me. It's like, consider this whether business is your addiction. You know, people got their addiction to, to alcohol, drugs, but for many people, it's have you throwing yourself into work as your addiction. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, and I'd love to do another episode on addictions themselves because I'll I'll put my hand up that the business kept me away from actually confronting and working through emotions that were under the surface, just like booze or alcohol or illicit substances or, or anything else would. But that's one for another episode. I think for me, therefore, my only aim in business was effectively survival. And, you know, when I got to the point of having my needs met, because my needs were, you know, honestly, like even in my 20s as I was growing the business, they were pretty chill. Like I wanted to pay rent, have food taken care of, travel. I mean, this is very like, you know, white millennial privileged goals here, right? Yeah, I want to be able to travel wherever I want. I want to be able to have, you know, eat at some nice restaurants a couple of times a week. And I don't want to have to worry about my rent. And I want to live in a nice place in the center of Sydney in the, in the city circle, right? And so I understand my privilege with that. But once I kind of like reached and ticked off those, then it was like, huh, okay, this is interesting. Like, what's the next step? Like, what's next mm. after this? And I think I noticed, I saw one of the early investors in PayPal speak in an event and he spoke about, I think him and a friend had put in, in $50,000 in the early days in PayPal and they ended up with a payout of either tens or hundreds of millions. I don't know exactly how much it was, but you know, the kind of like 
never ever work again, kids never have to work again, no one in your family has to work again ever type money. And he spoke about the depression and the loss of purpose and the loss of meaning for years that happened after that payout. And, you know, after hearing that story, I really started to understand, oh, okay, there is a horizon here in the future for me that when I tick my income goal and when I have all of my needs taken care of, yeah, sure, I still have goals and ambitions and, you know, I'd love to buy a Lambo and, and things like that, right? But once I had all of my basic needs taken care of, and that was when I started earning around six figures a year net. I knew that there would be a point in time where I would have to adjust my drive to more than just earning income. And there's that, that other kind of study that's floated around, which says that, you know, after you hit a certain amount of income and that is having your basic needs met, you don't get any happier. And that's absolutely true. You know, money just kind of like magnifies your ego and magnifies yourself. And yeah, sure, there's a few more comforts that may come. You can shop in the organic aisle rather than the normal aisle at Woolies, but Apart from that, there's not much more happiness that kind of comes in. And so I had that on the horizon. Like I was, I'm pretty good at seeing the future. And so I knew to kind of like allow myself to gently go through that process of Peter is exiting hustle mode and Peter is exiting survival mode. What's next for Peter? And that took me two or three years. You know, it kind of started as I was 28 years old because I kind of knew, okay, well, in another 12 to 18 months, like this income thing is going to be sorted. And so it was a very slow, gentle process for me, reaching that precipice and then allowing the next chapter or season to come in. And that's really interesting to me what you're kind of saying there, because here's what I think about. Like, I feel like, right, here we are talking about impact and building business about impact. But I can imagine that there are a few listeners, at least, listening to this that are like, well, you know, that sounds good. And I'm maybe reading books. You're reading books. You're seeing other coaches, people, whatever out there saying, you need to have a purpose. You must have a purpose to your business. And like, do you think that the first step is to go through like businesses about me and security? Like, I've got some of my own thoughts around this, but I'm curious, like, what do you think is your, do you think people need to kind of go with this? purpose from the beginning or do you think they actually need to Look, go through the early stage i love the idea that if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life right i love that i love that idea i don't think that necessarily means if you love photography go and be a photographer because there's commercial realities of certain uh purpose pursuits that may not be a great business might be a great passion but might not turn into a great business right but i think at the level below that is our values what do you value? What do you value in life? For me, myself personally, I value adventure. I value growth. I value excitement. I value connection. I don't really value safety. You know, I'm, I'm someone who's really open to change and, you know, quite adept at uh, shifting sands. I'm not really one who values security and repeatability. And I would say, you know, for many entrepreneurs, there will probably be similar threads of liking excitement in you and whatnot. It's just kind of like the breed that we are, right? Now, I think if you can really check in to your values and what your values are, that will inform what you can do to feel purposeful. In Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, he talks about, you know, happiness coming not from, you know, buying it or from manufacturing it or creating it, but happiness just naturally coming from doing actions that are aligned with your purpose. And so I would say doing actions that are aligned with your values are things that are going to inherently bring you happiness. And therefore, you know, you have a sense of purpose. And what I know that is for me 
is the things that really give me the most joy in my business and the things that, that really excite me the most. Like I love solving problems and I'm really competent at that. So that's one. Number two, I love working with human psychology and I love helping the people around me grow. I love helping keep them accountable and I'm pretty damn good at reading people and seeing where they could do with a few tweaks or maybe they're holding themselves back a little bit and bringing those kind of things to light in them. I really enjoy that as well. And so in my role in the business that I've been able to architect and create, every day that I show up at IT Genius and I'm working in the role of founder and CEO, I'm leading teams, I'm coming up with new strategies, I'm solving the toughest problems in the business and, and I try not to solve them. You know, my job is really to facilitate them being solved in the business, but I have to go like to a meta level of problem solving where I get to, even if I have the solution, I've got to like, you know, shepherd people to the solution, <laughs> which is awesome. You know, I absolutely love that because that includes the coaching and the growth element as well and the mentoring and the supporting element. So, you know, I'm just kind of like sharing my experience there of like, well, what do I value and how I feel purpose with that? Now, the question you ask, Carl, is like, should someone sit down and try and work out what their purpose is before they start a business? I think you should try and get an idea of like what your values are because that's probably going to inform what you may find purposeful when you are running a business. And it really, I think, you know, takes away all of the ideas of like, what market is hot right now? Or COVID's happened, let's sell hand sanitizer. Like, you know, there's definitely ways of finding your purpose or finding your values in whatever you do. But you can be really, really intentional about, you know, what you do in, in certain areas and certain businesses. And that's why people will, you know, sometimes go industry to industry. And that's totally fine. People go business to business. And that's totally fine. You know, there's so many stories that come in when we think about like what kind of business do we want to start is it like well this is what my parents said or this is what i'm good at when i went to school or when i went to university or this is what is hot right now or i you know i read it in a business magazine or something like that um but you know like i think the only way to self-actualization the only way to self-happiness is your own purpose so you know mm. do yourself a favor and find something that you like and that you're going to want to do because you've got, yeah, you've got to do it when the days are tough. That's another Steve Jobs quote, as well as the, you know, never working a day in your life. You have to be so fanatically interested and so fanatically in love with what you're doing. Because if you weren't on the hard days, you would quit. Hmm. You'd give up. It's one of my favorite Steve Jobs quotes where he says, yeah, people say you got to love what you do. And it's absolutely true because if you didn't on the hard days, you'd give up, you'd quit because yeah. you're sane. You're not a crazy person. Whereas you're a crazy person when you're fanatic about what you do. There's so many things that you said there, man, that I'd love to, to dig deeper on. But there's a few thoughts that really, really come up that I think are worth going and exploring a bit more and driving home for the listener. You talked a lot about like happiness, right? Like I, the idea of looking at your values and looking at the purpose because that is where your happiness is going to be and deciding, well, yeah, do you want to just going in it just to make money? And it's like, oh, I think this product will sell or I think this will turn into a, into a thing that is a way of making money might meet your needs initially, but you may burn out. You may get to a point where this is just exhausting now, which I hadn't necessarily fully thought about. And I love that you brought that up. And it's, I think it's also important, something that's dear to me is I am deeply, deeply disturbed at how there is a higher rate of depression and then depression that can lead to things like suicide in entrepreneurs. And I've had this question, I've asked this question to many entrepreneurs. And I feel like it's one of those questions that unless I actually get into the data, probably will never know the answer to. But is it the entrepreneurship journey that makes you more predisposed to the highs and lows that can create depression? Or is it people who are already predisposed to the idea of 
highs and lows of depression that find the journey of entrepreneurship exciting? And I don't know the answer to that. I just pose that to you, the dear listener, to consider as well. I've got a lot on that and I'll share it very briefly. What I've noticed in my reality, and this is, of course, a, a projection of my experience, uh, but what I've noticed in, in a number of my friends who've been entrepreneurs that I noticed a trend and I could almost create a spreadsheet of each person that I've met who's been an entrepreneur. And I'm talking about like the ambitious entrepreneurs, the hustlers. And, you know, that may just be the people I've attracted, but uh, so it is so. What I've noticed is that every single one of those people, every single one had a fractured relationship with at least one of their parents, as in not talking to them or didn't get along with them, or there was some kind of trauma or abuse or absenteeism in their life. And the only exceptions were, uh, were people that are bullied. So those that yeah. had happy parents, there you go. <laughs> and I know that about you because I was curious for like a long time when we became friends, Carl, I was like, wow, you've got a happy family. This guy doesn't fit into the model. Then I realized, <laughs> aha, bullied. It all makes sense. And yeah. the interesting thing there is as I've gone on a journey of discovering myself and releasing traumas and through psychotherapy and psychoanalysis and in unwinding my own unhealthy relating with my parents and you know my own journey of healing in myself, um, I've uncovered patterns of codependency and patterns of unhealthy relating in myself. What I noticed was, and we joked a little bit about addiction at the start of the episode, that business can absolutely be an addiction and a way of taking you away from yourself and keeping the emotions and the void of being alone by yourself, you know, taking that away because, you know, the business and the stress of that can always keep you busy. But uh, number two, I think as a trauma-based response, a response to feeling like someone wasn't safe or feeling like someone wasn't having enough, a child who learns to look after themselves, and I'm speaking, of course, of my own experience here, a child who learns that they have to look after themselves because they don't feel like they will be looked after by their parents will likely turn to entrepreneurship. And there's no shame in that. That is what it is. If that is your experience, that's your experience. Here's the game. Here's the big game. If you've built those skills from a young age, and I was self-sufficient financially by the time I was 15, right? If you've built those skills from a young age, you have an amazing advantage in being able to create wealth and be able to create impact and be able to lead people because you've got that self-leadership just instilled in you naturally. You've had to nurture that in yourself, literally, probably to survive in some way. Now, here's the big game. If you can actually unwind that and go from a place of running from stress and running from trigger and running in a mode of adrenaline all the time and running in that hustle mode where that totally consumes your life, if you can actually step out of that through healing modalities, through emotional clearing, through psychotherapy, through you know hypnosis, through whatever it is for you to get there, but you know all of these are fundamentally about self-awareness. If you can clear that and if you can step into the observer role, then you will be all mighty powerful in the realm of business and hopefully in many other areas of your life as well uh, because you will have those inherent skills of business when you need to switch them on, but you don't have to fuck up your life with them. You don't have to work 80 hours a week with them. You don't have to be in survival mode forever where you know I think people can really get caught up for a long, long time and we've talked about this before in episodes about burnout where they finish one you know, product or they finish an initiative or they finish a project and they jump straight into the next one because they just don't know what the F to do with themselves. Or they buy a nice car and then they go and work harder and they buy a nicer car and they go and work harder and they buy a nicer car 
And, you know, I saw that when I lived in Sydney, there's a lot of that kind of like hustle vibe of, you know, what suburb do I live in and how many millions did I pay for my house? And I just don't believe in it. You know, I, I feel like I've had a bit of a spiritual awakening in terms of, of an entrepreneur and that there is a different way of doing it. You can still have tremendous results in business and I have better results now I am awakened to my own stuff. But, you know, for someone who feels like they are just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and there is no end in sight, that may be something to inspect. What do you think about the situation where it's like, all right, so let's say we're listening to this and we're going, okay, well, yeah, that's cool. These guys, Pete and, you know, Carl, they're, they're, they're having these experiences, they're working through their different traumas and all that stuff. That's not even in my awareness. It's probably there, sure, but I'm not interested, like, that's all good for them to talk about this. They're making money. They don't, they don't have to work so hard for their money or they don't really have to work for their money. Like, let's be realistic here about if we go back to part of my original question of like, if you're in the beginning, you're at this bit part. Firstly, I want to say to you, like, you should feel no shame if you're like, you know what? The reason I'm in business is to put money in my pocket. Like, don't judge yourself for that because a big part of my journey no that, that was... That was my motivator, like whether I said it out loud to other people, whether I even admitted it to myself, I don't know. But looking back, 100%, that's what motivated me for a long time until about two and a half years ago, I started to go like, hold on, really? Like, is that clearly what's the point? What's the point? Like, I'm good now. And so let's just kind of go back and go, well, if you're in that early stage, or not even necessarily early stage, like you're just in a point where you're like, you know what, I've done my bit. Or like, there's probably some, I've met them, uh, you know, where they're like, well, I've had the big teams, I've done these things and that was a nightmare. I just want a nice lean company, high profit margins, just me and a couple of people, super simple, find the hot market that will sell, do that. Are we saying to those same people, like, would you say to that person who was in front of you, if they're like, I just need to eat, I just need to put cash on the table for me, that they should still be thinking about this and looking at their 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 stuff. I'm saying no into stock. Mm-hmm. I understand that there is a level of hustle required to actually get a business off the ground. And some other mentors who are on a podca- podcast called Tropical MBA talk about the first 1,000 days, first three years of building a business and getting it off the ground. Now, does that have to be hustle? I don't know. It may or may not. That's everyone's own journey to go on. The central point that I'm making, and I, I fucking love money. I love money and I love making money and I love making more money. My life is improved when I make more money. That's a great thing. Know when it is enough for you to maybe take yourself out of the red line. Take the foot mm-hmm. off the accelerator just a bit and not be on the red line all the time. And we know what the red line is. The red line is when you don't have a good relationship with your family, where you don't have a good relationship with your body and your health, where you don't have a good relationship with your energy in yourself, you know, your, your essence. And if you're the kind of person who gets the Friday and then spends all day crashing and recovering, then, you know, that may be a little telltale sign that, okay, let's, you know, take a look into how hard am I actually pushing this. Now, again, all very well for me to say, in that I did that work for a long time, for nearly 10 years to be able to grow the business to the level of income that it's at, to the size of the team that it's at, to be able to step back and do my meditation and all the woo-woo stuff. And so I'm coming at this from a privileged position. Would I have done it again or could I have done it again and done it differently? I don't know that. But what I do know is when I sat there and I listened to the founder of PayPal and you know who said that after he'd made it, 
he was depressed and sad and it kind of ruined things for him for a number of years, immediately I knew, okay, that's that idea of the utopia of I will have enough, which doesn't actually exist. It's not actually real. The fictional idea of utopia where I have enough and I have all the Lambos and everything's great in my life, that one doesn't exist. And if it did come to you through the way of a massive windfall, then you're going to have the harsh reality that it might not be exactly what your fantasy thought it was going to be. Well, there's so many studies that show that of people won the lottery and then they're either broke or damaged relationships. They didn't know how to manage the money. There's so much. And if if you're someone who's like, hey, I don't know how to manage money. I don't remember what episode it was, but if you go back, we did an episode about money management and I don't know if we called it the JAR system, but there is an episode earlier. We'll make sure there's a link in the show notes back to that. Be sure to, to check that out if you'd like to learn more about how to manage your money. And I, and I get uncomfortable if I have more than 100 grand sitting in an account, business or personal. I get uncomfortable with that. Like all of this you know, money psychology and then all the stories come up about deserving and safety and is it going to be taken away? <laughs> like all that stuff just like plays out. And I guess, you know, part of it, Carl, it's good that you referenced the money episode is because some of us are just in this loop of whenever the money comes in, we just spend it straight away. So we'll never actually get to the point of having enough unless you unwind Mm -hmm. those and, you know, you can go through the processes like the spiral to like, you know, really clear the deep rooted emotional type stuff that's actually in your body that, you know, unless you do that actual work, no matter how much money you earn, you might just spend every dollar, which many people do yeah totally and or like you know you might be a spender you might be a saver and you're the complete opposite of pete you save and save and save and the idea of having 100 grand in the bank would be amazing for you or you know you're way past that but like and then you got other people who i fall more into this category i'm an avoider and so i create all these nice little automated systems that take care of moving money around but i very rarely am actually looking at my bank accounts because i just want to avoid it and you know thankfully i spend money and the money's there because i've got the systems to make sure of that but you know the dark side of that that's good when you've got a system in place but if you don't have a system in place the dark side of that is you're spending money you don't have you're using credit cards i used to do this i would spend money on credit cards and never pay the money off the credit card you know you're getting bills i'm guilty of this even in business bills come in if it comes into my email address and it didn't go anywhere else there's a high chance it doesn't get paid because i avoid even opening the email let alone making sure i click pay so Delegate, like Carl. Delegate. Yeah, but then they come into my email and the, my assistant doesn't necessarily catch them all. But that's a whole other issue. Here's the thing. We're talking about going from income to impact. And we've gone through a lot of stuff that we're talking about, the journey. And so I firstly want to say that if you have listened to this and you're going, okay, well, my whole business is really about putting food on the table, earning a certain amount of money so I can buy the Lamborghini or I can look successful or whatever that is. And that's totally cool because I've done it. Pete's done it. When I say I've done it, like, yeah, I'm saying in the past, but I also would say that there's still elements of that in my present. You know, I don't, nothing comes to mind, but I'm sure there are still elements of things coming up and I'm doing it because of those old patterns. What we're kind of talking about is if you continue on the that you're on and you follow some of the advice that Pete and I are talking about, you will get to a point and it will come whether you successfully sell your business. And you're sitting there going, well, now what? And you got a, whether you got a big payout or you didn't get a big payout. You know, when I sold my IT business, like I wasn't rolling in so much cash that I could never work again. Like there was a decent chunk of money, but it wasn't enough to just go, I'm never working again. I still was then lost because my whole identity was tied up in that business. And I had to kind of go, well, what am I doing? I wasn't at the level of, oh, my money's sorted. It was like, I need to make money. How do I take the money I got from the IT business and make sure it doesn't disappear and I do something with it? 
and I didn't manage that well and I managed to spend a lot of it, but that was at least in my awareness, not purpose, not how do I make a big impact? Compare that to Elon Musk. Elon Musk sold, when he gets his sale of PayPal, he goes and takes the money that he made and he goes, you know what, what can I do? Now, I don't know whether he was coming from an impact, from a purpose point of view, but I believe he was. I don't know the man personally to know this, but you look at what he did, look at his actions, and it's quite clear that there was something greater than, oh, I've got all this money, I'm good. It was like, great, I've got a huge amount of money. Here's what I'm actually passionate about. We need to become a multi-planetary species. That is really important. We also need to stop using so much fossil fuels. What can I do around? He goes and starts three companies or invests and you know, effectively backs three companies, Tesla to start pushing forward with a very clear purpose. The whole purpose of Tesla from the beginning was to push forward the, the speed at which humanity switches to electric cars and gets rid of chewing gasoline for the cars. Then he launches uh, SpaceX, gets involved in SpaceX with its pure mission of how do we get humans to be multi-planetary? How do we get humans to Mars, living on Mars? Because if we can achieve that, then we don't have a a fundamental issue of earth being blown up either by people or some external event that wipes That's us out true. and means humanity disappears. Yeah. Uh, and then the third was solar city. And now he's eventually kind of, he's wrapped up solar city into Tesla now and Tesla's shifted, but you look at what he did with the amount of money he had. Now, I don't know whether he also had all sorts of depression and thing. I haven't read enough of his story to know whether he likes some of the other PayPal issues. Uh, abusive, people that you abusive mentioned. parents. Bad childhood. Don't worry, he's on the list. Same as Larry Ellis. <laughs> Same as Steve Jobs. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, that's amazing. I, I, oh, probably. I'm. Um, yeah. But here's the thing. Like, I want to. Like, if you're listening to this, going, well, hold on. How do I know if I'm in this for me or I'm in this for purpose? That's an example. A another example is, you know, when I started Automation Agency, it was about I could see a need. There was a there was a need in the market. There was a purpose. People were struggling. They needed help. But I also needed money. I was down to my last five grand. What I was doing wasn't bringing in cash. I needed to do something. I had a whole bunch of people knocking on the door. I'm going to know what they need. I can deliver it. That was about me making sure I could pay my bills and keep going. And then it started to explode. It was not purely selfish. There was looking at how do I add value? So I'm getting money in exchange. But the driver behind this was not about how are we going to change the world through helping people implement marketing automation? That was not in my awareness. It's only now that I'm actually going, okay, well, I don't really get out of bed just to feel like I'm helping people market in a consumerist society that I think has some problems. Don't get me wrong. I'm a capitalist. I believe in capitalism, but I think there's a lot of challenges in a, a lot of the way we do capitalism and consumerism. And so I'm, I'm part of the machine that helps market. I'm teaching all these marketing psychology manipulation strategies, right? That doesn't fully sit well with me completely. And so this is where it's been like, hold on, what am I working on? And that's the difference. That's the key difference of then going, how does that apply? And how is that serving a, a bigger audience? And that's yep. the difference of going from income to impact. That's that key journey. And you're going to go on it. You are. You, you just don't know when you're going to get there. But if you stay in business long enough, it's going to happen eventually. It's a funny thing to think about because, you know, you mentioned like, uh, you know, am, am I helping someone sell Coca-Cola to children through through being a marketing educator? And, you know, I know that Google's tools really can help make people's lives better, more enriched, easier. They can help, you know, empower businesses and empower collaboration. And also the internet and computers all run out of data centers and use crazy amounts of fossil fuel for our electricity. Now, 
thankfully, all of Google's data centers are now actually carbon neutral, which is pretty awesome, all running on renewable energy. And, you know, that's like a pretty mean feat. But there is the economic reality of the, of the environmental impact of manufacturing of computers and servers and everything to basically make all of that go round. And so, yeah, you know, I find that interesting and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole on capitalism and consumerism. But Carl, we've been reading a book, both of us, called Conscious Capitalism by the founder of Whole Foods Market, which is an amazing book, basically super hippie dude started a company. And you know, one of the central points of the book is that capitalism is the most powerful vehicle for impact in the world, above and beyond non-government organizations, not-for-profit entities, social enterprise even, that capitalism with purpose can actually be a whole lot more powerful than any of those. And the reason for that is that capitalism is still the vehicle that creates the most impact financially, creates the most impact economically and with things like market dynamics. And, you know, I mean, I don't have an economics degree, but I know kind of the basics of these things, you know, with all of those, capitalism is the most powerful tool. However, most capitalist entities, companies are unconscious. You know, there is no purpose. There's no clear purpose. uh, Or if there is a purpose, it's maximizing shareholder returns. And so if we take the model of capitalism and the model of a business that is looking to build profit and we insert purpose, and this is the the whole point of the book, if we can insert purpose and we can insert a little bit of soul in there, then we're going to have much more impactful change than businesses that are purely for social change or purely, you know, as an NGO or a not-for-profit type business. Now, there's a number of different tenets of conscious capitalism, and we may cover them more in depth in another episode, Carl, but it's uh, you know, around culture, around your team, around your leadership, and around uh, purpose and, and actual strategy for the business. And you know, what I noticed in going through this is that there are four noble truths, which is, I think, from Plato, and they talk about in the book how businesses will have one of these four noble truths. And one is uh, the true, one is the beautiful, one is the good, uh, and these guys add in uh, the heroic. And the examples given are like, you know, Apple wants to create really beautiful products. So they are the beautiful and Google want to organize the world's information. So they are all about being the true and heroic business would be like Alibaba, which wants to liberate small businesses to be able to do business online uh, in China and around around the world as well. Yeah. Or, Or Amazon even could be in that bucket. And I think, you know, for us, when I reflected on, you know, IT genius and what is our purpose like what can we actually do you know we did this as an exercise with our team and what we came to is we now understand that we can help small business owners play a bigger game and that's now our value and our purpose statement for the business helping small business owners play a bigger game because we know that when they play a bigger game they'll hire more people they contribute to the economy the world moves around and if small business owners are conscious then it means that we're going to have you know a better place to work in now they are the particular market segment that we like to support The particular way that we support them is through technology strategy. It's not marketing strategy. It's not HR strategy. It's not business strategy. We take care of the technology for those businesses. But that's, you know, like our little part of the world that we can help out, you know, contribute to and, you know, experience purpose in that work that we do. And it's interesting in the four noble truths, I find that falls under the good being of service to others. And our team also see us as heroic, uh, but also really good. And, And we just naturally in our culture tend to attract team members that are big on service. Also happens that most of our team are in the Philippines. That works really great because Philippine culture is very much about service. And so that alignment of that purpose after reading the book, going through the exercises, working on it as a team has, you know, has felt really beautiful. It's been a really great journey together. 
Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. That's a great little snippet and definitely recommend the book, Conscious Capitalism. I, I think that could be a whole episode to talk about that book and things that, that come from that uh, and, and delve even deeper on the, on those four. But yeah, you know, if you, most service businesses, you'll probably find you're in the good and eventually end up in the heroic as he kind of talks about in that book. It's really interesting, actually. One thing I wanted to mention as you were talking, it came up for me. Uh, the idea of generally most businesses, and I'm guilty of this, focus on like, here's what usually happens. You focus on revenues. It's about vanity. How much money am I making? I'm making a million dollars. I'm making half a million or whatever, you know, wherever you're at, I'm making a hundred thousand. You know, like we don't discriminate wherever you're at in your journey. You know, for many years I was in businesses that was lucky to make 200 grand in a year. Right. And so it's, you get to this point where it's all revenue. And then what shifts is you start to realize that revenue is vanity. It doesn't mean shit. And you go, ah, oh, it's about profit. It's all about profit. And then maybe you make the link or you become freedom focused like Pete and I have in our journeys in particular. And you start going, well, no, it's not just about the profit I'm making. It's my return on time. How much time am I putting in for the profit I'm generating? Now, I still think that's a very valuable metrics to look at the efficiency of your business and how much you're involved in. But literally today in a Facebook messenger conversation with a whole group of business owners I'm in, they were talking, talking about some profit stuff. And one of the statements was, don't worry, it's all about profit. That's the only thing that matters. There was a time that I believed the same thing. This journey of income to impact is I no longer believe that the profit is all that matters. I believe it's important. I believe it's an important metric and I believe a business should be profitable. How else can it continue to grow and invest and continue to, to you know, give back in other ways? But if you think about it, like think about how many businesses on the planet right now, that is the crux of part of the issues that we face as society, because it's all about the return to the shareholder, the profits. Now I'm a shareholder. I, I love profits. I love my dividends that I get from all the various companies I've invested in. But I also now, and I think there's a big shift that's happening. And maybe, you know, especially if you're a part of the younger generation listening and watching to this, the younger generations are starting to go, I want this company to matter. I want to work for a company that matters. I want to ensure that there is a future. And that's the difference of going from income to impact. And so there are a lot of people starting with impact from day one, but if you're not that person, you're not there and you're just like, I've been doing my income, start to just think about, grab the book, Conscious Capital, and start thinking about how could you pivot. I used to teach people about buying and selling businesses, that a business is a product that you can just flip and sell. That was purely an income in my mind. Now, someone else could have looked at that same thing and go, I'm creating a business and getting it to a point to then give someone else an opportunity. That's purposeful. But that was not my way of thinking of it. My way of thinking of it was I'm building it to a point that I can sell. So I make money and then I go and do it again. It was not about purpose and giving an opportunity. It was purely about the income I would make. And that's, again, what we've really been talking about in this episode. That shift of going from income thinking to eventually impact thinking. And my hope, I know Pete's hope, is that listening to this, that we can help speed up that process for you. It doesn't have to be today. It doesn't have to be tomorrow but you'll go through a process eventually and you start thinking about what is the bigger impact? And yes, profit's important, but what else is this business doing? You know, I've got another friend who he yells at some of my other friends when we share our profit numbers. He's like, your profit margins are too high. Like he's saying, your profit margins are too high. It means you're not hiring enough people. You're not investing enough. You're clearly, he doesn't say it, but it's like, you're clearly being selfish. We're talking about people with profit margins of like 80% and really high. And there was a time I disagreed with him, whereas now I agree with him. It's like, no, that's, that's high. That's why, where's that being invested? Where's that going? So that's enough of that little rant. And I think it's time to wrap up this episode. I think it is. 
Thank you so much to the listener for joining us. I hope this has been uh, meaningful and purposeful for you. And be really interested to know in the comments on social, or you can drop us a DM if you would like, you know, what you thought about this, what it uh, stirred up in you. And if you thought it was interesting, if you had any epiphanies or ahas, we'd love for you to share them. And we may even choose to share some of those comments on a future episode. So if you'd like to rate or review us, we'd sincerely appreciate it. You can access us on your favorite podcasting app. And uh, if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, we'd be very, very glad to hear what your honest thoughts are about the show. But for a list of all the other shows, all the recordings, head to rising.show, which is our website, or you can access our snippets on our Facebook or Instagram pages. We post little bits and pieces and highlights from our episodes there. So be sure to check those out. Carl, thank you so much for sharing. I love doing this with you, man. And it's great to hear about vision and impact and purpose in business and you know, really bringing in the personal fulfillment. It's, it really does it for me. Pleasure to be here, man. Awesome. All right. To the listener, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in.